ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking Friday the 13th Part 2 on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Friday the 13th, Part 2, in the hopes that a camp counselor's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. I'm coming to you from Camp Crystal Lake, or as close to it as we could possibly get. I'm here on the West Coast, and my cohort, my partner in crime, comes to us from the hinterlands of New York City. It's the one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How you doing, Gina? I am well, Patrick. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm sweltering, because at the time of this recording, the world has decided to be on fire. It's just, it's just, you've got that like slow-motion man in flames running down the street. <laughs> you've got the, 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 uh, the theme from The Omen playing every time you open your front door. Yes, it's, it's the you, cartoon devils with pitchforks, the whole nine yards. You've got that, that sound effect whenever they cut to hell on, on, uh, on South Park. The, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's just really hot on top of it. It just happens to be super, super hot. So I'm in a different room in the house. I'm not in the office. I'm in my son's toy room looking at what appears to be the world's largest supply of Hot Wheels. <laughs> Uh, I know that's not to be true, but in the size of our house, it sh- that's the way it appears. Uh, so if you hear a little ambient noise, please forgive uh, both of us as, uh, well, th- this is the way life goes. Um, yeah, we, are, we are not professional podcasters. Oh, no, I don't know if anyone's noticed. We're not. Neither of us have noise-canceling uh, software, so just deal with, with, with fans and air conditioners blowing the background because we, are, we, are, we have limits to suffering for our art. Yeah. Very low limits. Uh, speaking of suffering, let's get to the crux of why we are here today. And just to remind everyone is that we are going through currently the Friday the 13th film series. And we are looking at that most denigrated component of any horror film, the characters Uh, Because a camp counselor's death is only the beginning of our discussion about them. We've gone through several so far, but not as many as you might think. And we're up to Vicky. Vicky is a brunette gal who is very open about her wants and desires for sexual gratification with a guy named Mark. Who is now deceased at this point. Who sadly has gone the way of disco. So, okay, let's talk about Vicky. She's she's actually a, a lovely person. She's... She and Mark seem like the most normal people in the entire group. She is very forward that she would like Mark's penis somewhere near her vagina. <laughs> and she doesn't seem to have any any doubts that even though he is in a wheelchair, that, you know, everything is in that regard is in proper working order. She comes right out and asks. Oh, that's right. She does, doesn't she? Yeah. She comes right out and asks, is everything okay down there? <laughs> And his response is, you know, I get by, uh, which I don't doubt. You gotta figure it's not that's out a, that's of the a, realm of possibility. You figure that's, that's gonna be a great pickup line. You know, he's a he's yeah. a good looking guy. He's in a wheelchair. It's like I really, really just want to be made to feel like a man again. Can you help me? 
you kind of make well, it kind of make it seem like he's not sure if things will work, but you know, maybe you're the woman that could make they can make a miracle. Yeah, that's right. Makes everyone feel good. Because me, I mean, if I had that line given to me and it worked, I would be just yeah, I would just be walking on air for the next couple of days. I would just be like bragging left and right. You know, I'm a miracle worker. <laughs> I I brought life back to the dead. That's right. You made it stand up and pay attention. Exactly. So she plays around with uh, Mark in various ways. They duel via electronic game. Finally, after just laying it on as thick as humanly possible, she goes, do you want to stay together tonight? And he goes, oh, I was just going to ask you the same thing. I'm like, well, like hours have passed, guys. You could you could have totally been having sex like a million times by now <laughs> just do it already and she says hey hold on just one second she goes off to her cabin mark ends up dead mark gets um, machete to the face uh like he had it coming or something which he did not and an epic roll down the stairs <laughs> so vicky goes to her cabin and here we get gamesmanship from jason i guess the plug for the lamp has been pulled out for some reason and she plugs it back in and calls her roommate a turkey. She changes out of one sweater into her sexy sweater. <laughs> Is that what I'm to take from this? She's got a perfectly decent sweater, changes out of that because, I don't know, the funk of the day. And then puts on another sweater like, yeah, this is my I'm getting lucky sweater. Remember when you were a kid and you wore that shirt so when you were like five it says like it just said football 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 across the front of it <laughs> you know what i'm talking about right every little boy had that sweat every little boy that grew up in the 70s uh-huh. had that picture in like second grade of the shirt that said football 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 across the front of it i'm sure i do i don't have photographic evidence of it but i i will i i will see the floor to this point maybe maybe, maybe her said sex 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 on it i don't know a fine detailed pattern of pornographic pictures maybe it was something a little more uh, subliminal than that there, there was obviously a reason that that this is the sweater put on for sexy results yes uh this is after of course she uh bathes herself in perfume including the thing i i initially remember the most about this movie when i first watch it and that was vicky uh spraying her nether regions with perfume and i was like that's a thing that women do? By the way, I don't believe that's a thing that women do. Well. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I needed a woman on the show. Gina, please educate dipshit dude like myself. You, if you're going to be camping, th- things are going to get a little ripe. I mean, okay. And, and I think that, you know, you, you want to be at your uh, your best, you know, as far as uh, now why she didn't just go grab a shower somewhere, which, you know, what probably would have been... For, for you know more optimal results but i mean sometimes when one uses the phrase freshen up it means to you know make that area you know as as pleasingly scented as possible okay the more you know star and rainbow the, star and rainbow <laughs> so uh she has an entire uh sexy set she's got new panty new bra new sweater new pants uh, same nurse shoes goes back to the cabin and no one seems to be about uh, the main cabin. Uh, and then she creeps up the stairs and immediately goes to inquire what the Sam Hill is going on from Jeff and Sandra. 
And this is where we get the long game by Jason, where he is waiting underneath the covers for her to see what that bloodstain's all about. And I think that's, while it works for him, kind of a bad plan. Well, yeah. Because it only works if she gives a shit about anyone else in the cabin or checks with Jeff and Sandra, who up until this point have been boning nonstop. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know why she feels the need to check on them. I mean, it's, it's you know... Because the script tells her to. That's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine... Stage it. direction. Vicky goes to Jeff and Sandra's room. That's the only motivation for this. And it's the only reason Jason is lying in wait inside bloody sheets for another person to enter the room. Because there's no guarantee that she would ever go in there. Yeah, he, he shows a lot of implausible foresight in, in this, which is a little hard to believe. Yeah, because one could consider that he, the only person he has been around in the past five years is his mother's severed head. Yeah. So how would he, you know, develop this insight into people's... I don't <laughs> into, know. Well, into people's motives and, and personalities. Not too long ago, you came up with the idea that Jason has a sort of connection to people's fuck style. Uh, perhaps this is part of that sort of telepathic connection that he has to people's sex wants and desires he, 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 ga he gathered that uh that that vicky would go check on on uh on uh jeff and, jeff and sandra just to see what's doing yeah sure i guess i mean she might uh, ask them for tips maybe ask them if they have you know extra condoms i don't know yeah. maybe oh yeah. jeff and sandra are not using i was gonna that. say as if anybody was using condoms in these movies a pa and lee's <laughs> None of these people have wrapped anything up. I, I don't think I don't think condoms were even mentioned in a movie till like probably nineteen ninety seven or something. You know, I I think maybe the remake is the first time anyone mentions a, a condom in any of this. Je and Jeff's probably the type of guy who'll say, "I can't feel anything." Uh, I can only imagine the lame ass excuses Jeff has for not. Even giving a damn whether or not Sandra ends up pregnant. <laughs> but let's leave our debate about pregnant people dying in a Friday 13th movie for part three. Uh, Sneak preview. Yes. Um, we got that coming. So, unfortunately, this is where Sandra bites it. Jason leaps up uh, like a the backwoods ninja that he is and slices her thigh open. Uh, through her lovely pleated uh, khakis. Uh, and then she cowers right next to the open door. I don't know why she can't escape or attempt to escape, but she's yet another in a long string of designated crumplers. I was going to say, this is pretty much identical to, I don't even remember the character's name anymore, but the there's a, there a death in the first one. Uh, whichever one of them got the axe to the face. It was uh, Marcy. Is, Marcy, uh, right, Marcy. Right, right. So yeah, she just crumples to the ground. Jason holds up a knife to camera so that we can see a weird bruise on his thumb. And, and let us not forget to mention that, again, as is a a, uh, a pattern in this movie, he's holding the knife the wrong way. Yeah, he's holding it blade up instead of blade down. It boggles the mind. And then she gets it by stab to the body area. Who knows? I, I just think it's like her, she got stabbed in the stomach or something. Yeah. 
She gets something she gets, not she gets, exciting. She gets stabbed in the stomach, spits out some party city fake blood, and that that's the end of uh, that's the end of Vicky. Vicky, R.I.P.D. So, uh, in the meantime, while all these deaths have occurred, these poor dead people have missed the roadhouse experience of a lifetime at Casino Bar. Can we talk for a moment about the scene at Casino Bar? Featuring Ted, the luckiest asshole in any of the Friday the 13th movies. A person deserving of death simply for his attitude about life alone. (laughs) But just before we get to any character specifics, the people who are in the band and the people who are drinking beer and listening to that band are some of the oddest amalgamation of individuals I've ever seen amassed in one locale. (laughs) To the point where it's so weirdly countrified for New Jersey that I'm like, well, hey, Urban Cowboy called and they're like, you showed up to the wrong set. Everyone is bearded. Everyone has slightly tinted glasses on. There's a little too much open collar and cowboy hat. There's not nearly enough women at (laughs) all. It's a sausage fest. And then as we watch this poor beleaguered waitress slash bartender make her way back to the sidebar area where Ted comes on to her by ogling her with empty beer bottles. And I'm going to come out and say that's not a turn on. No. But that's his way of getting in with her is making himself seem like a drunken asshole because she doesn't see any of those working in a bar. I'm looking at uh, where they sh- the, the, the location shots uh-huh. for the exteriors of Friday 13th Part 2. Yes. And I just can't help thinking that this sort of looks a little bit like Porky's. <laughs> it has a Porky's-esque <laughs> vibe. Uh, it, Yeah. I'm not going to say you're wrong. Uh, you know, it just looks like it's about ready to like be dragged into the water by a bunch of uh, high school age assholes. Yeah, uh-huh. I think high school age assholes is the demo for <laughs> quote unquote casino bar, which the only thing you're gambling there is whether or not you get an STD <laughs> this week. It's an odd grouping. There's also a, a lot of stuffed animals. Who are given a lot of play in the background. And then this that now we're treated to this exchange between Ted, Paul, and Ginny, where Ginny, this is where we get her college psych class understanding of what Jason is. And then two men looking at her like, You're a dummy, girl. That that's about it. Yeah, she, it, I think that's it, it's it's a some vague attempt at character development in, in, in a movie that really does not require it. I mean, they're trying to make it a thing. They're trying to make fetch happen here <laughs> by psychoanalyzing Jason. She basically calls, she's like a backwoods Clarice Starling here. Jason is a child in a man's body who quote unquote, never knew death until he saw his mother beheaded. Why would that be the only thing that Jason saw? Yeah, You're telling me he only know. showed up to see his mom bite it, but missed all the other death and dismemberment that happened before this? He only 
his ticket was for the decapitation of his mother and not any of the other kills in the first movie. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if she she didn't do a you take your child to work day while while <laughs> making short work of Kevin Bacon and uh... now, Jason. Don't show up until I lure this girl down by the shore. That's when I want you to see me kill this person after tussling with them and biting them. None of it really lines up, which makes it all the more infuriating that the smartest person in the entire movie is forced to say it to the two dumbest people. (laughs) And I'm specifically talking about Paul and Ted. Paul is a sex dummy because that's the only thing he could possibly be bringing to the table. Yeah, I I don't know that I would trust him to to teach uh, people how to be how to be in charge of young of young children. I don't quite understand it because he doesn't listen to anybody in that scene where uh deputy winslow comes in and goes hey you should probably not let your counselors go to the site of a murder multiple murder because it you know it was only five years ago and it might happen again because you set off the murder alarm i don't know but paul's like i don't care screw off sort of looks and acts like Someone you see in like a, like a, like, a, like an ad for English leather, it's like like that's 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 it. That's that's all he that's all he really brings to the table. He's a quality Sears model. Is he's kind of blandly handsome, and again that very nineteen seventies sort of way. And I realize this is supposed to be like this is like eighty one, but, but it, yeah, it's got the stink of the seventies yeah, all over because fashion just hasn't turned over. And, 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 and he has yet. and he has the personality and charisma of a magazine model. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I assume that he did a lot of stand ups for tight fitting pants, <laughs> uh, things that were Sam's belted, perhaps, and he, he just won't listen to what anyone else has to say. And Ted isn't helping at all. So it's at this point that Jenny's like, well, screw you two. I'm going. And Paul's like, oh, wait up for me because I want to have sex with you later. And it's at this moment you can clearly see come across her face that she regrets ever having relations with this dipshit. We've all had that moment. We've all had that moment where we're. We're out somewhere with someone and they just say something just so unbelievably stupid. And you're like, I cannot believe I took my clothes off in front of this person. Yeah. Once they get back to camp, they, like everyone else, head to the main house and start calling out for everybody. And no one answers. Ginny knows the score. Somehow. She She knows something's wrong. And she tells him constantly, this isn't right. We should go get somebody. We should go get some help. They would just leave. This is a problem. And Paul's like, "Mm, you have a vagina. I think I'm the smarter person here. Who runs this business anyway? (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously, I'm the person in charge of this. I have the clipboard. I'm just going to saunter into this situation, which... Every signal would tell you is not normal and is not right. Up until the point where they enter the room where a killer is. And Jenny says, there's someone else in this room. Paul's like, what? (laughs) And she's like, there's someone else in this fucking room. And then, and then Jason leaps out at them. Like, 
she has said over and over and over again, wake up, dummy. This is a bad sitch. And he's like, I don't care. I have very blonde hair. I'm fine. I wear, I wear, I wear English leather or nothing at all. <laughs> and again, let, let us point out, let, let us clarify yet again, he is ostensibly running a business that trains people on how to be camp counselors. Yeah. That will in turn be in charge of children mm-hmm. and, and has absolutely no ability to assess a potentially dangerous situation whatsoever. I am mystified as to how he gained the reputation that Deputy Winslow attributes to him. This is the type. This film. is the type of person where if a child fell down in front of him and broke his bones to the point the bone is sticking out of the skin, mm-hmm. then he would say, "You're fine. Walk it off. Don't be a pussy." And yeah, then leave I, alone at that. There's nothing about him that reeks authority, uh, other than the fact that he's ostensibly in charge. It's the Peter principle. <laughs> writ large he just owns this place and no one can wrest control away from this dummy until jason does or at least attempts to with a pitchfork of all things and they struggle back and forth in a very unchoreographed fight while jenny kind of whimpers it's a very <laughs> Unginny like moment where she just Paul, 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 <laughs> while he's in the middle of a fight. I don't, because the rest of the time she doesn't act this way. So I'm not entirely sure what the motivation for this moment was. I'm not sure why they didn't just kill him off like immediately. It was like they couldn't decide if they were going to make him be the hero in the end or not. They almost wrote him out of the script at that point. Yeah, because apparently there, there was, it was to be more clear what happened to Paul. Yeah. But I think because they just didn't know what to do with the character, they just... I don't know. It's very strange that you know, all the people that Jason does not kill off, you know, it, it's it's him. He's the most deserving in my mind. Yeah, I mean, certainly in this movie, he is. Yeah, yeah, probably top five most irritating characters overall. Uh, the more I watch it, he to me is more irritating than our trickster character in our next film. I. That's a tough sell. You're going to have to present possibly a complete uh, a, a complete PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to have to justify my love of this particular point, but <laughs> I, th- this is the bold statement I'm making right now. Paul is mystifying as an individual. Uh, he's unqualified as a leader, and I won't vote for him. <laughs> I won't. He will not make America great again. No. He couldn't even. He make won't even Camp make. Crystal yeah, I was gonna say he again. won't even make. Yeah, he won't even make the pine lands of southern New Jersey great again. <laughs> now we get to the the point where this movie actually takes off in terms of its um, directorial panache, because I I will also make a bold claim. I think this is the best non telekinesis related cat and mouse game. <laughs> Of any of the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah, I mean, for... I mean, the rest of the movie isn't all that great. It, it, a lot of it is very much a, a rehash of the first one. But, I mean, this the, the, this final scene it pretty pretty well makes up for it. I, I think so. It's definitely an improvement over the cat and mouse game that came before it. 
Yeah. And it has everything to do with how the director is approaching this material. He's able to, one, everything suddenly gets dark. Two, Jason is aware of where the frame of the camera is, even if Jenny isn't. <laughs> and there's legitimate boo scares that happen here that are not empty threats. They are Jason leaping out because he's at a different side of the frame than he was before. This happens at the car. This happens with the pitchfork through the top of it. There's just a lot of fun play and a lot of tension being built and released. And then we get the coup de grace, um, if I can mispronounce something in French, where Ginny is trapped underneath a bed and becomes so scared that she pees herself. And that's not the problem. It's that the trail of pee that's coming out will give her away. That's kind of genius. That's one of those things you don't really see in horror movies too much. The realistic possibility that you will urinate yourself in the in the you know the face of imminent death, which it's you know, an underused liquid in a very liquid filled genre. It's a oddly realistic touch probably the the last time any of these movies in the series tried to be anywhere near realistic yeah mm -hmm. i wonder if that was you know in the script or they thought hey you know what why don't we make it look like you peed yourself it's a interesting gag because it doesn't you don't think less of jenny no. in that situation because the film has been become legitimately exciting to watch at that moment she's been able to evade him by just thinking smart Get into a car. Okay, the car is not working. Get to shelter. I can't close off the door. I'm gonna I'm gonna hide and hope that he passes by and it's working up until the point where the P trail might give her away. It she's very smart about it, and Jason appears a very clever pursuer. You know, you could look at it as her that she's betrayed by her own body. It's a pretty sterling little sequence for a very cheapy uh, franchise. All of that directorial goodwill will be flushed down the toilet once a 3D camera is involved. Spoiler alert. So, let's conclude the sequence. Jenny then wanders off into the woods, and this is, there seems to be a shorter distance between here and Camp Crystal Lake than I was given the impression of previously, or it's just time is, is shortened within the editing of the film. But she also happens to find Jason's bat cave in the middle of the woods and discovers the severed head of Mrs. Voorhees. Which 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 I would like to point out again has somehow managed to grow hair. She had, she had the, you know, in the last movie she had the, you know, sensible older mom short haircut. A mm -hmm. lot of a lot of our mothers get that at some point. With yes, it's hard to take care of. It's a better do. And and now she's got some sort of like Halloween witch hair going on. It's an Albert Einstein sort of uh, look but i would say for a severed head that's five years old it's not the best look and the the combo here is resplendent with her bloody sweater which jason got out of evidence somehow i the first time i saw this movie and when Ginny puts the the sweater on mm -hmm. all i could think was my god how bad that thing must have smelled yeah I mean, and she just puts it on, doesn't even like, 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 you know, you know, when you get that little retching where it's mm -hmm. like, you smell something really bad and, and, 
you know, and you just make that little uh, filthy, bloody, probably corpse juice covered. Corpse juice. You know, just, just, I mean, just imagine the the horrible smell of this thing. Is that trademarked? Corpse juice? If it's not, it's not is now. There's another hashtag for you. Last week was sex sandwich, or no, sad sandwich. This week, hashtag corpse Corpse juice. Corpse juice. Corpse juice brought to you by Mountain Dew. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be our equipment. We'll we'll start doing ads for corpse juice, like. Filled to the brim, as it were, with corpse juice. And her idea is now to use this Psych 101 knowledge that we've seen her display earlier against Jason. And we know that Jenny can outsmart people because much earlier in the film, we saw her beat Paul at chess. That really been that difficult, though. I I also believe that Muffin could have beaten Paul at chess. (laughs) If I, if I were asked. That said, she beats him handily, and he looks at that chessboard like I look at uh, Star Trek 3D chess, <laughs> which, or how Michael Myers looks at the corpse of that one body and tilts his head. This guy does because, that, that, puppy, that puppy dog like tilt to the head thing. But how could this possibly happen? I mean, she is woman and I am Paul. I don't know that Paul is necessarily a misogynist character, but he can't, he's not smart enough to be enlightened. Let's put it out that way. Paul, non-woke bay. <laughs> put it down. Uh, if you were keeping track of the woke bays of Friday the 13th. <laughs> there are zero so far. Exactly zero so far. So, okay, she's got this idea nailed. I'm going to impersonate Jason's dead mother by wearing his sweater, or her sweater, Pardon me. And he buys it. Yeah, now apparently he has gone back into, again, sort of feral brain damage mode. Right, he's not the kind of guy who can track down the lone victim of your mother's killing spree five years after the fact. Now he's just a dipshit with a pillowcase over his head who looks at a sweater and goes, oh, that must be my mom. Yeah, and she's alive again. I saw her head get her, I saw her get her head lopped off. Yeah. Like a like a salami and a delicatessen. That's right. But, but, I knew nothing of death before this, so this makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm good. I'm totally buying this, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, sure. Springing elaborate traps, uh, but this I am gonna fall for, like coyote. She's pretty much painting a road on a wall and like waiting for him to just run into it. This, yeah. this is this is how implausible this 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 trick is. And even more implausible that it works. And the really funny thing is, is again, spoiler for future episodes, this is used again in a different, even more implausible variation. In part four, was it? Isn't there in part seven, doesn't she also implant the idea? Yes. This is this is this is someone rising. This is not done numerous times, and he falls for it every time. Yeah. You know, it's amazing that he got away with as much murder as he did. He's, he's kind of a dipshit. Um, hot, hot takes. Patrick, hot take. Patrick's not having Jason. <laughs> hot rake. This guy is not the sharpest tool in the shed. And he has several of them and he uses them on people. So you would think he would know sharpest tools. You would think. So here we go. This all works uh, right up to the point where she asks him to kneel in front of him. So she can bury a machete in his head. And then it works until it doesn't. And he deflects the machete with a pickaxe. And then she gets 
sliced by the razor sharp pickaxe. They tussle and tussle, and out of nowhere comes the not quite corpse of Paul to save the day. Oh, thank goodness. Paul's back. Yay, Paul is back. We were so worried about what happened to Paul. Because we wouldn't want Jenny to resolve this using her own wits and strength as she's been able to survive this so far. She needs to be rescued by that mop of hair attached to an empty head. So they have another unchoreographed fight. Luckily, Jenny is here. Otherwise, all of this would descend into chaos. Because she manages, while they're in mid-tussle, to bury a machete into his shoulder. And that, ladies and gentlemen, has got to fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's on the pain scale, that's, you know, probably up there with, you know, having a, your, you know, the mat, your mask strap squeeze so hard that, like, brain juice starts flowing out and, and having, you know, the machete buried into your face and then you kind of do this, a slow slide on the floor where it, like, goes all the way into your head. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, Incredibly descriptive, Gina. Almost as if you've given way too much thought. To I'm thinking way ahead on on other episodes here. Okay, <laughs> so you're not just riffing off the top of your head. No, I'm really not. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. think, I'm thinking of future ways that Jason is supposedly dispatched of to actually be severed to that degree, uh, and it's buried down to basically the top of his peck. Is nuts that he isn't crumpled that he's able to then pick himself up dust himself off yeah i mean with the, one the, arm his arm then and then like you know his arm appears to be pretty you know usable by the end of the movie so i don't understand how he can crash through a window hands first when one of those hands should not be able to raise i mean he should basically just be like just just flopping like an empty sleeve yes like a like a like a disconnected uh, fish, <laughs> just limp, a noodle. But no, he's only slightly worse for wear when he confronts Paul and Jenny uh, later on um, by going headfirst through a window in this, this film's version of the carry moment slash Jason comes out of the lake moment. Uh, then we. F- go to white yet again and Jenny wakes up on a stretcher we don't know where Jason is we don't know if Paul's alive oh no Paul I hope he's okay I know I've been staying up nights (laughs) ring my hands are so raw from ringing thinking about where Paul is you you woke up a couple nights ah Paul (laughs) (laughs) my wife is very worried when I wake up constantly yelling, Paul, Paul, is Paul okay? Uh, this is a new phenomenon in our marriage, and she's a little disquieted by it. Yeah, that's the end of Friday the 13th Part 2. Uh, Jenny's left alive. We don't know what the fuck Paul is doing. And Jason point. recovers miraculously from having his entire shoulder severed, basically. And, we also, and we're all, it's also established that he is i mean it kind of is when you see like the shot of him as a kid but also established that he is in fact hideously deformed yeah 
Uh, we don't know what sort of nuclear, what sort of toxic waste Mrs. Voorhees was ingesting when she was pregnant, but he sort of looks like if someone had taken the elephant man and set him on fire and then pushed him down a long flight of stairs. Yeah, I mean, if the idea was that he was going to grow into his looks, <laughs> they were sadly mistaken. I mean, I, I like the... Jason, the kid, and again, you only see him, it's kind of a you know, far away shot in the water. He sort of looks like he has like one big fried egg eye, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, I don't really know the nature of what his problems are supposed to be. And I don't think they cared. This was, that was completely based off of a kid Tom Savini had known from the old neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Uh, but now, I mean, he's basically, large. but now he's basically just a mutant. He looks a little different in every movie. Yes. Like, the the nature of his deformity keeps changing. In the middle of this stunt, the makeup changes, Gina. Yes. He leaps through, and he looks one way, and then you cut to the other part of the slow-mo, and it's a very different makeup on him, or at least the appearance of. It it just really, really changes. So, yeah, let's... And his appearance from here to part three is, again, completely different because male pattern baldness means that he loses all of his stringy hair between the events of I mean, this. This guy, just can't, this guy just can't catch a break. I mean. No. I mean, uh, what he had going for him at that stage of life is a flowing mane <laughs> of locks. And now that's gone. What does that do to his self-confidence? I, I have to point out that um, supposedly... You did learn in the in the original cut of mm-hmm. um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Okay, you were supposed to find out the the fate of Paul, um, in which uh, Ginny asks where Paul is, um, and apparently this apparently this was filmed. I don't know if it, if the if the uh, if it is available as a uh, as bonus material. But I have it. There are no. There are no deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. Okay, then they they wisely crumpled it up and threw it in the trash after they filmed it because mm-hmm. evidently when Paul uh, when Ginny asks where Paul is, it cuts to um, Mrs. Voorhees's head, which opens its eyes and smiles <laughs> as, <laughs> as if to as, as if to say, "I know where Paul is." Wink. <laughs> Sort of the Deadpool from Wolverine Origins, sort of wink at the camera. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And and you know, the, again, they did have a severed head winking later in the series, but it was not Mrs. Voorhees. You know, I kind of now that I know that that exists, that's all I want. <laughs> this is going to become your the day the clown cried. You're gonna you're gonna yes. you're gonna comb every possible outlet. And hey, we already got a half an hour of that. How long is it going to take? I call upon you, people at Paramount Pictures slash Warner Brothers, whoever now currently owns we, the rights to this but doesn't want to do anything with it. It's got to be called the Give Us Head campaign. There's our first t-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. There, look, that's look, right. Look for it on Cafe Press. <laughs> kill by kill on the front. Give Us Head on the head back. On the back. I, I'm sweating. That's how much... I'm thinking about all the monies that are coming my way from that venture. 
You, you, oh you, my god! You need to turn that that kid's playroom into into a Scrooge into McDuck a vault. into a Scrooge McDuck money vault because it's rolling, baby. It's rolling. I'm <laughs> swimming in them coins, <laughs> them bitcoins that are coming my way. That that's Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Do you, R.I.P.D. Maybe to Paul. Who knows? Who cares? Kind of. Who cares? Um, we'll never know. Uh, so, do you have any other final words to say about this kind of good, kind of horrible movie? I, I will say that it seems to have the most iconic shots in it. Mm-hmm. Like, like definitely when he leaps out of the bed at Vicky, sex kebab, yes. which, you know, inspired not as many uh, copycat scenes as I seem to recall, but a few. Yes. And it's uh, itself being a copycat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so I, I would definitely say that despite it being a pretty mediocre movie after all, it does have probably the most iconic shots of any in the series. I would agree with that. Gina, uh, before we go, of course, where can we find you on the internet? I write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. All right. You can reach out to us. Uh, via email at killbykillpod at gmail.com or Twitter at killbykillpod. And please rate and review us on iTunes uh, if you like the show. Let your friends know, but that's the best way to help us in the rankings get us seen by more people and uh, be seen by more fans like yourself. Uh, And hopefully we can introduce our podcast to more and more people as we go. Let us hear from you. We want to hear what you have to say. Uh, let us know if we need a uh, give us head t-shirt. I think that would be awesome. Uh, hashtag corpse juice. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. Until next time, for myself and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.